0: Welcome to Language Stories, a podcast discovering languages around the world and meeting the people who speak them. I'm Lindsay Williams from Lindsay Does Languages, a language-obsessed chica on the constant exploration of languages no matter where I am in the world. And over the past few weeks, I've been bringing you a handful of mini bonus episodes that almost became full Language Stories episodes in their own right, but didn't, but still deserve their moment in the spotlight. And this episode, welcome to the Andes. This episode, we're discussing Quechua, a language you've quite possibly heard of, spoken in Peru, Bolivia, and parts of Ecuador, Colombia, and Argentina. I first heard Quechua IRL, or to be more precise, Cusco Quechua, in Cusco, a city high in the Andes, sometimes referred to as the navel of the Inca empire, thanks to the mistranslation of its name. Many people say that Cusco meant navel or belly button, but this isn't exactly true. There's been a bit of research into the translation and it's more likely that it was the name of a species of bird. So there you go. Cusco is important to our story because it's the area from which the Inca expanded their empire. Although not directly responsible for the number of people speaking Quechua, even today the expansion of the Inca empire did spread the Cusco variety of Quechua. Many of the people living within the reaches of the Inca Empire would have already spoken a variety of Quechua, but it's the Cusco version that became a little more commonplace. Skip forward a little bit in time, and during Spanish colonisation, use of Quechua was initially accepted by the Spanish, and even learnt by some Spaniards, including religious figures whose goal it was to convert locals to Christianity. However, the public use of Quechua was banned by the Spanish, following the rebellion led by Tupac Amaru II. No, not Tupac the Rapper Tupac, although interestingly, he was named after our Tupac Amaru II. Of course, this meant that by the time the countries in the region gained their independence from the Spanish, Quechua and other indigenous languages had lost their place in society. No longer were they the prestigious languages they once were. However, following many efforts to bring the language back into popular use, including media in the language, education, and also in part due to the fact that it's spoken over a wide area, Quechua is quite widely spoken today, with an estimated 8 to 10 million speakers of a language from the Quechuan family. The majority of those speakers live in Peru, where it's estimated 25% of the population speak a Quechuan language. Speaking from experience, like I said, you can actually hear the language used on the streets of Cusco, which is very exciting. If you don't get altitude sickness, that is. Where it can get confusing, though, is the classification of those languages. Notice how I said eight to 10 million speak a language from the Quechuan family. Quechuan languages are split into two primary branches, Quechua 1, sometimes called Quechua B, and Quechua 2, sometimes called Quechua A. And no, I didn't get those the wrong way around, One is B and two is A. And those branches divide off into even more varieties of language, some even referred to as dialect clusters. Side note, great name for an indie band. This gives you an idea as to how much of a language versus dialect rabbit hole we're about to go down. Let's take a closer look. Dialects, as we tend to understand the term, are slightly different ways of speaking a common language. We can understand different dialects if we speak the common language, but not different languages. That would be separate from our common language. So, as an English-speaking Brit, I can understand an American-speaking English. Mostly. Just kidding. Love you, America. So, what happens when so-called dialects of a language aren't mutually intelligible? Are they still dialects? Or languages? As I was researching for this episode, I found a great website, ketchua.org.uk, that explained this with a brilliant comparison. Italy. Many would argue that varieties of language spoken in Italy are dialects, and others would say they're languages. Because I don't speak Quechuan languages, but I am more familiar with Romance languages, we'll look at Italy a little closer for our great language versus dialect debate. Italy, a country with more languages slash dialects varieties than you might expect. Approximately 34, according to Ethnologue. The recognition of those 34 as language or dialect varies depending on the local or regional governments and, of course, the individuals themselves who live in these areas with or without these languages. It's 2018, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. For our little test, to start, we're going to take a look at four languages Piedmontese, Venetian, Sardinian and Sicilian and I'm going to attempt to speak a little of each just the first bit from Omnigloss Standard Translation, Article 1 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, all Human Beings. That's all I'm going to say. It's likely to be pronounced wrong, but hopefully it'll be enough to show the differences. So, Pierre Montes, Tweet, je sei humain. Venetian, tutti esseri umani. Sardinian, totus os esseres humanos, Sicilian, tutti l'omini. Thanks to Simon at Omniglot for providing such a helpful resource, allowing me to have the same little nugget translated into all of those languages. So, as you can hopefully hear, there's some differences there. But if you know what's being said and you're familiar with Romance languages, you might be able to understand. With Quechua, it's often similar. Some Quechuan varieties have similarities, but others are a little more distinct, which means the word dialect in the way we tend to understand, may be a bit of a stretch, as many aren't mutually intelligible. Yet, this is the word that many linguists use to describe many variations of Quechua. (sighs) I was about to give up and head back out of my rabbit hole, until I read a very well-written piece on The Atlantic about the whole language versus dialect thing. I'll link in the description, but the key point that stuck with me is that when we consider dialects as a variety of a common language that speakers of that common language can understand, we're unintentionally, or possibly even intentionally, positioning those dialects as less than the language. So maybe it's not a word issue here, but a change of association we need to consider. When we accept that the words language and dialect both serve a purpose, and neither is better or worse than the other, and we can begin to chill a little and accept that, as the article concludes, perhaps we're all speaking dialects. Coming up next time on Language Stories, our final mini bonus episode. For the last one, we'll be heading not too far from where we are now with Quechua to discover Aymara. You've been listening to Language Stories, a podcast by Lindsay Does Languages. If you like what we do and you like video, then head on over to our YouTube channel where you can watch the sister videos to the podcast episodes from season one. If you haven't yet listened to Season 1 of Language Stories, go and do that now because later this year I'll be releasing Season 2 and you want to be ready to listen to each new episode of Season 2 as they come out. To make that as easy as possible, subscribe to this podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts and if you're feeling generous, leave us a review too. It really does help us to get found by new listeners who may well love Language Stories as much as I hope you do. As always, you can follow me in all the usual places, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and all that jazz and learn more at lindsaydoeslanguages.com. Until next time, keep learning languages and keep sharing stories. Dubananchi skama!